And although Jesus is scourging is horrific and hard for us to comprehend, what is harder to understand that it is through his stripes that we are healed. The stripes that were supposed to bring reproach upon Jesus have actually resulted in the healing of those who put their faith in him. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, who himself bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we're looking at do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 33. And the first point, verses 14 through 17 one bread, one body. The second point, 18 through 22, the Lord's cup and table, and then 23 through 33, that they may be saved. We're going to go ahead and read our first point, verses 14 through 17, and open us in prayer. Taking up God's word, we read from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. We thank you, Father, for your great grace that you bestow upon us always, Lord. And I know often we don't recognize your grace. Sometimes, Lord, we just don't see your hand working. But by faith, Lord, we understand that you created the heavens and the earth and that you did not just create the heavens and the earth and just then allow them to continue Without your involvement, Lord, you have been very involved, even to the point of sending your only begotten Son to die upon the cross, to pay the price of our sins, that we might be brought into fellowship with you, forgiven, and become part of the family of God, something which we are going to look at today. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless us, bless the teaching of your word, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So we find in verses 14 through 17, one bread, one body. He begins in verses 14 and 15 saying, flee from idolatry. Paul's admonishment to flee from idolatry takes us back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul dealt with things offered to idols. Remember, we're just taking a portion of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And he had already dealt with the issue of idol worship. And we learned that there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, that the churches, we worship one God in three forms, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that we should use our freedom in Christ to build up others, not to tear them down. Moreover, last week in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 6 through 10, where Paul gave us five examples that uh, of things that we should not follow in Israel's destructive past. In verse 7, he said, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. Now we looked at that passage and where it connected to the Old Testament last week. And although Paul singled out idolatry here, he was not angry with the Corinthian believers. In fact, he called them my beloved, and he counseled them to flee from idolatry. To flee, it simply means to run, to move away from danger as fast as you can, because there's fear, you know that something's wrong. And Paul understood the great danger in participating with idolatry. Therefore, he speaks to his beloved as those who were wise, those who were able to judge for themselves that he spoke the truth. And I believe that our church today, we understand these things, that there are things out there that are dangerous for us to participate in as believers in Jesus Christ. And when we catch ourselves uh, slipping into those paths, we need to flee. We need to turn around. We need to get as far away as possible. Proverbs 1.5 tells us, A wise man will hear and increase his learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. And Paul said that I speak to you, those who are wise. He understood that they had this uh, capability of understanding his meaning. But sadly, many people, though they recognize the truth, they're unwilling to walk in truth. And he moves on in verses 16 and 17. He speaks about the communion of Christ. There in verse 16, he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The cup of blessing, basically a cup that refers to giving thanks. The cup which we bless, a Greek word that means to speak well of, and here it is speaking well of the cup which we bless, talking about the blood of Jesus Christ that we are to uphold this. It is a cup of blessing because it commemorates Jesus's blood, which he shed upon the cross. In Colossians 1.14, it tells us, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The communion, koinonia is the Greek word, and 
koinos means to have all things in common. Speaks about having a partnership or a fellowship with the sharing together the effects of the blood, the death of Jesus Christ, and the body of Jesus Christ that was sacrificed for our sins. We have koinonia, not only with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but with one another. When receiving communion, we not only recognize the price that Jesus paid upon the cross, but the fellowship that we have with the Lord as part of the body of Christ. In 1 John 1, 7, it tells us, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, koinonia. We have fellowship with one another. The blood speaks about the fellowship, the koinonia that we have as part of the body of Christ with the deity, the Godhead, but also with one another as believers in Jesus Christ. But let me point this out, that it all hinges on the blood. According to Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. It was necessary for Christ to die for our sins, according to the scripture. But also the bread, picking up in verse 16, he continues saying, The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The breaking of Jesus' body is also significant. Speaking about his body that was uh, broken for us in the sense of the beatings that he received, the cat of nine tails that came upon his back, his being nailed to the cross itself, not just the blood, but the body. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, Jesus, when serving the very first communion with his disciples, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And although Jesus' scourging is horrific and hard for us to comprehend, what is harder to understand that it is through his stripes that we are healed. The stripes that were supposed to bring reproach upon Jesus have actually resulted in the healing of those who put their faith in him. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, Who himself bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. So once again, we have koinonia, we have communion, a partnership, a fellowship of sharing with the realization of the body of Christ that was broken for us. The body of Christ that was broken for us, according to Isaiah 53, 5, it tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, you were healed. As Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24, it causes us to look back to Jesus' finished work upon the cross. But Isaiah 53.5, it says, By his stripes you are healed, or we are healed. It causes us to look to Jesus in 
the current circumstances of our lives. That he brings healing times past, but he continues to bring healing through the body and the blood. And so verse 17, we all partake. For we, though many, are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Though we are many, we are all part of the body of Christ. We, as Paul describes it here, one bread and one body. For we all partake, it means to have together with, to share in. We partake in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See that recurrence of the one? We have one. We are one in the body of Christ. And we are all part of the body of Christ, bound together by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Second, we find the Lord's cup and table in verses 18 through 22. I pick up reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons? Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? That final question there, are we stronger than he? It's a rhetorical question. Of course we are not. And so here in our second point, the Lord's cup and table, we find that there is first Israel after the flesh. Verse 18, he says, observe Israel after the flesh, are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? So we have to look back to the Old Testament and the laws concerning the offerings that were given either at the tabernacle or at the temple. Unlike the sin and the trespass offerings where the priests could only eat a portion of that offering, the rest of the offering was burnt up on the altar. But the peace offering the worshiper, the one who was offering the sacrifice to God, he could share in the sacrifice. The peace offering, they were either thanksgiving, a vow, or a voluntary offerings. After the sacrifice was made, the priests offered a memorial portion on the altar to the Lord. And then one unleavened cake was also offered on that altar before the Lord. A portion of the meat would go to the priest who offered the sacrifice, but the remainder of the sacrifice, along with the unleavened bread, was for the worshiper, his family, or his guest, to be eaten before the Lord at the temple. It depended on which type of peace offering was being offered. There were two different listed for us in Leviticus 19, 
one, they had opportunity to eat on that same day, but anything that was left over would have to be burned up on the altar. They couldn't take it home. There was no takeout, no leftovers, no doggy bags. And then the other offering, still a peace offering, they had three days to hang out and to fellowship with the Lord. At the end of the third day, it was still the same. Whatever remained, that would be burned up on the altar itself. And so we read in Leviticus 19, 5 and 6, If you offer a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it of your own free will. It shall be eaten on the same day you offer it. And on the next day, if any remains until the third day, it shall be burned with fire. By the worshipers being able to share in the offering, it spoke of their uh, koinonia, their communion, their fellowship with God. They were at the temple of God eating a portion of the meat that had been offered to God. They were thus having communion with God. And likewise, we have fellowship with God through the offering of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us, speaking about peace offerings, in Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 16, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. Paul here in Ephesians 2 verses 14 through 16, he's technically talking about the division that had been seen between the Greeks and the Jews, or the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul declaring that he himself is our peace. He has broken down that wall of separation. He has abolished these things, this enmity of the flesh, making from the two one, one body in Christ through the cross. Also, the Lord broke down that wall of separation between mankind and God himself, that there was a division between man and God because of our sins. And the Lord Jesus Christ, through the cross, he put to death the enmity. Verses 19 and 20, we find here the Gentiles, they also offered sacrifices on altars, not to the God who created the heavens and the earth, but these idols, which Paul said, they're nothing at all. But behind the idols, he connects uh, demons. He says in verses 19 and 20, what am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to the idols is anything? Rather, that the things with which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. The sharing of the sacrificial offering was also a custom in pagan worship, the pagan worship of the Gentiles. But Paul understood idols were nothing. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, he said, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. And so Paul understood that the idols, they were false 
gods that people worship, that the gods themselves were nothing. But here he adds to it in chapter 10 that behind the idol, there were demonic activity. And although Paul understood that the idols were not gods, that they did not truly exist, connected to these pagan deities was demonic activity. Therefore, to eat the meat sacrificed to idols, knowingly in participating with that offering, he did not want the believers to participate or to partake in or to have fellowship with the demons behind these false gods. Deuteronomy 32 verses 16 and 17, God saying they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to gods, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. What the children of Israel did from that first generation that came out of Egypt, they provoked the Lord to jealousy. They were offering sacrifices to demons. And so Paul is not teaching a new theology here. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament that these false gods who there in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, 17, that they were gods that they did not know. They were new gods, but there was demonic activity behind these gods. And Paul saying, I do not want you to partake in these things. Then he said in verses 21 through 22, I titled this little portion, you can't have it both ways. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Of course, as I said before, a rhetorical question there. We are not stronger than God. But we cannot have it both ways by drinking the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Today, we might say, by attempting to walk in fellowship with Jesus, while at the same time walking in the ways of the world. This was something that Joshua pointed out to the second generation of those who came out of Egypt right before they went into the promised land. In Joshua 24, verses 19 through 21, Joshua said to them, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's actually using reverse psychology for the children of Israel. He's saying, you can't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people responded to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. They made a commitment, even though Joshua was using reverse psychology, saying, no, 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 you can't serve the Lord. And they said, no, we will serve the Lord. And that second generation that came out of Egypt, for the most part, they were uh, faithful to serve the Lord. And may it be that our fellowship with Jesus be a fellowship that is true and that we would not have communion or partake in the fellowship of the world in the sense that we are compromising our relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot have it both ways. So we find in today's message, 
do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 33, that we are one bread and one body, verses 14 through 17, that we are all part of the body of Christ, bound together by the body and blood of Christ. The Lord's cup and table may it be that our fellowship would be with Jesus and not with that of the world. We can't have it both ways, remember? We either walk in fellowship with the Lord or with the world. We can't have it both ways. And finally, that they may be saved. We serve others. We glorify God. We serve others that we may help to bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. Again, once again, I would like to encourage you that just reach out to at least three people this week, a family member, a friend, neighbor, co-worker, church member. It can mean so much to them. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being with us here at Calvary Chapel and WLGS Radio. What a blessing it is to be able to present the Word of God. And I pray that God would bless you, that He would keep you, that His face would shine upon you and give you peace. And remember, in all that you do, do all to the glory of God. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847 265 0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.